Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of the Pink Bike Podcast. Somehow we've made it this far. I'm Mike Kazmer, and today we've got a heated debate on tap on trail-like etiquette, specifically who should have the right-of-way, climbers or descenders. Now, traditionally, it's been uphill riders who have the right-of-way, descenders have to yield, but there are some people who think otherwise. They're wrong, so we're going to have a good debate about that. Um, we'll start off, let's see, Brian Park, did you run anyone off the trail this weekend? Yeah, like four people. Yeah, just bombing down, refusing to yield. Yeah, on the fire road, like bombing down the climb, just foot out, flat out. Yeah, terrorizing people in Stanley Park on your electric commuter bike. (laughs) (laughs) I did ride an electric commuter bike, but I also rode mountain bikes. Yeah, that's good. Or allegedly mountain bikes. It was a hardtail. And we also have Sarah Moore. Did you go for a ride this weekend, Sarah? I did. I was just thinking of which trails I rode that were one directional. And there's this one trail that's like a foot wide. It's like a skinny bridge. And luckily you barely ever encounter anybody there. But when you do come across somebody on this skinny bridge, it's a little bit scary. You got to kind of jump into the skunk cabbage. Oh yeah. Tracks tracks from hell. Tracks from hell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love that trail. So many people hate it because it has that long skinny that's like slightly uphill. And I've definitely seen plenty of people tip into the skunk cabbage. Yeah. (laughs) And then we also have a James Smurthwaite with us. How about you, James? You got for a ride at all? Uh, no, I didn't ride this weekend. Um, I was glued to the road cycling really, really good this weekend. And if anyone thinks anyone's beaten Van der Poel at the Olympics this year, they're mistaken. He's <laughs> absolutely crushing it this year. Are they still having the Olympics? I haven't even kept track. Olympics happening? I mean, maybe they're not cancelled yet. All right. Yeah, that's good. It's All a right. lot easier well, to cancel than it is to uh, make something from scratch. So That's true. And they already spent gazillion dollars on it so i'm sure they're working on it and we don't have mike levy with us today he's off attending a webinar on the nimitz encounters so we'll try to get him to take that tinfoil hat off and join us next week but for now he's researching tic tacs or something moving on turn it over to you james cool yeah um kaz you were back on the manitou meza this week uh the meza has definitely become a bit of like a cult fork with a lot of diehard fans represents an alternative to the Lyric or the Fox 36, that kind of all mountain um, enduro sort of terrain. Um, this was the expert version um, that comes with a few less features, but it also comes in at $750, which is about $250 cheaper than the pro version. The main difference comes in that air spring. This uses Manitou's IVA as opposed to the IRT. Basically it's a bit less adjustable in the mid stroke. Kaz, you didn't really get on with that pro model. Um, it picked up a bit of bushing play, I think, to remember. Um, did this fork work out any better for you? Yeah, this one was a lot better. I was I was impressed with it for that price point, and even for compared to forks above the price point, uh, they did a great job. Like it's pretty simple. It's a different different damper also than the Mazur Pro, a little open bath damper. But yeah, I found the range of adjustments work super well. No bushing play this time around. Easy to set up. Um, so yeah, I was impressed with it. Do you think that that's that they fixed the the manufacturing whatever challenges they had that was causing that bushing play? Like, does do you think that your that the pro model is also all good now, or is there something inherent in the expert level that makes it less of a big deal? Uh, I'm not quite sure. It'd be interesting to try a pro model again. I'm not going to say I'm going to do that because there's so many other forks to review. But yeah. um, you know, the bushing play was definitely a big factor in that other one, and I know. In recent, like the next, the latest batch of Mezer Pros, as far as I've heard, don't have that bushing play. So I think they did sort those issues out. Um, yeah, but I think, and the Mezer Pro does take a little more tinkering. It's not like it's a 
not that hard to set up, but this one is really easy to set up because you only have one air chamber and then just like a six position compression dial. So for the rider that doesn't want to have to tinker all the time, pretty easy. It's cool. Both measures have, uh, you can adjust the amount of travel without needing to buy any other parts, which I really like. So you can make this thing from, it's 140 all the way up to 180. So kind of cool features. How does this fork compare to those, um, you know, the 36 or the Lyric? Yeah, I think you can compare it to the highest end 36 or Lyric. It's not quite there. You don't get quite the same range of adjustments, but it's close. And it wasn't like a fork that I wanted to take off the bike immediately. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't just suffering through riding. Like I really enjoyed it and it, I could just happily just have suffering that. through suffering through a set of just a $750 fork. Oh, well, I mean, I struggled through that trust, the trust shout that I had. That was a suffer fork to ride. Like that fork, I did not what enjoy, a, and I rode what, it over and over. What a so. straw man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's an example of suffering it's with been, a fork. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Please purchase our new suspension fork. It's better than a trust shout. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> expensive doesn't always mean better, Brian. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying, I did. There was no suffering with this one. It's a very enjoyable experience. Uh, yeah, it didn't give me any issues. So it was. Yeah, it's nice to hop, just hop on and it worked well. You know, the backwards arch is still going to throw some people off, but otherwise there's really nothing. Uh, yeah, they did, they did a good job with it. I and you can you upgrade it too. It's just a reverse offset fork, man. Come on. I should have turned it around so that it was, the, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, just ran it that way. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, it's worth a look if you're in the market for a, you know, higher end, but not the highest end fork as far as price goes, um, that performs well. That's it. Do you think it's a good OE option? It could be. We don't see Mar Man Manitou um, as an OE option as much. But I yeah, I think they should. Like they make some good stuff. And even like, I was thinking as I was riding this fork, because it's the same group, like the Hayes group, those Hayes Dominion brakes, I was thinking that I've only had one bike come in with those, and those brakes are great. So I don't know what's happening there. It would be cool if we could see more, another third option kind of get more spec. But I think we'll it's see. very hard to get traction there. Oh, yeah, for sure. But maybe with these supply chain issues and things, I don't know, there could be a little room if, mm -hmm. if for some reason Manitou and Hayes have stock and other companies are sold out for two years or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a huge opportunity for, for the medium-sized brands that actually have have some control of their, of their uh, manufacturing, for sure. Um, next up, um, we go to Seb Start and his, uh, his test about lockouts. He carried out a quick experiment to see how much time locking out a bike might actually save. He did it on the road. Um, it was a pretty steady climb, I think. And he used two bikes. He used uh, a privateer and the Nikolai G16. Um, his results show that lockouts are useful, but maybe not like amazing, right? Like over an, over an hour long road climb, he said he'd save 14.4 seconds on the privateer and 28.8 seconds on the Nikolai G16. Um, are there any kind of surprises in that for you? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but it's kind of nice to have a little bit of sort of hard facts to say, look, this makes a difference. And you know, if you were a cross-country racer or even an enduro racer, it makes sense just to use that switch. It's a, um, it'd be a lot more interesting to me to see if we could replicate, and he, I think he's going to try something along those lines on sort of rolling off-road terrain. It's just, it gets so much harder to to have a steady uh, power output so you can have apples to apples the privateer was half lost half the time of the nikolai is that just going to be correlated to like anti-squad or one bike pedaling better than the other it could be to some extent i mean that nikolai also had a um had a coil shock on it one had an air shock so mm -hmm. who knows maybe that moves a little bit more a little more sensitive you get more movement there but yeah again if you were off-road and you know more techie terrain one could give you more traction which could make you climb quicker so 
there's a lot of little variables in there. And, um, but you know, I think for a, a short test, it was kind of cool to see what Seb was able to create and those power meter pedals and all that. Just a little backyard science experiment. It doesn't sound like a lot for, you know, me just going out with my friends and should I lock out my bike, but it can make a difference if you're in a race. But yeah, now I'm like, maybe I just won't lock out my bikes ever when I'm out for a ride with my friends because 14 seconds over an hour is, I don't know, it's not that much. <laughs> yeah, by the time you've thought to do it and then... And then yeah. the likelihood <laughs> of forgetting to actually unlock your bike is quite high. <laughs> yeah. Then you'll lose a half a minute on the downhill. Because exactly. Yeah. I'll lose more on the downhill than I will save on the climb. Moving on from that, North America's first big race of the year took place at Windrock. Uh, in the downhill, Charlie Harrison took the win, just 0.08 ahead of Dakota Norton. Another result to look at there, Aaron Gwynn, just two seconds off, apparently after a crash with a tree. So clearly he's on it this year. Also, um, if you haven't seen it already, head over to Instagram, try and hunt down Lucas Shaw's race run crash. It was a big one. Thankfully, he's all okay, but uh, it's definitely worth uh, hunting down. In the Elite Women, it was uh, Frida Running who won that one. Uh, and then in the Enduro, Richie Rude absolutely dominated, um, won by 30 seconds. He's looking real fast coming into the season. Uh, and Kate Lawrence won the women's Enduro race there as well. Oh, you're missing the most important result of the weekend. Oh, Vlad Sherry Rubel from Pink Bike Academy <laughs> in seventh. Yeah, he beat downhill. some decent. Yeah, he beat some quick people there. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he just takes off his shirt if he podiums. Like when he finally gets a podium, he's just gonna be there, no shirt, guaranteed. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be such a good picture. <laughs> it also meant um, some more prototype kit for us to look at. Uh, we saw the high pivot Trek downhill bike, and there's also a new black box shock on that bike. This is the second black box suspension product we've seen this year, but it's actually the first genuine one. That Sam Hill one, apparently it was uh, a black box Zeb from when they were testing before the Zeb was released. He's had the same supply issues as the rest of us. He couldn't get a new fork, so he just stuck that on in classic Sam Hill fashion. Uh, but this new shock does look to be something genuinely new. Um, it looks a bit different. Most noticeably, the compression dial seems to be on the side now instead of the top. Do you guys have any idea what we might be looking at here? Yeah, I'm not sure what we're seeing here. I'm not, um, I haven't heard anything about it. We do know there's a new shot coming. And like you said, the orientation looks a little different. One last bit of news we have is that more brands are announcing price rises due to the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic. This week, it was Santa Cruz who sent a letter to distributors that was then leaked and posted by other media. They have an average price rise of 10% coming in soon. Uh, April 2nd, I think that one is. And then Rose Bikes uh, today said that their prices are going to be rising by 8 to 12%. It's raw material costs, shipping costs, COVID precautions. These are the sort of reasons we're, we're seeing being given. I think brands are trying to swallow them as much as possible, but it just gets to a point where those, those prices have to creep up, unfortunately. We so far only reported on brands that have released statements, but I mean, is anyone going to be immune from this? No, and I I wonder if it's a good thing to put put these things out. Like, um, you know, Rocky Mountain got hammered a bit in the comments for their quite high prices, and I was thinking about how uh, in their newest release of that instinct, and it's like, mm, well, it's they're kind of one of the first dealer wholesale brands to release a bike this spring, and it that you know it clearly just their prices have gone up too, but they haven't like announced anything or talked about why it is so. I, I think everybody the 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 things that people have mentioned nobody's immune from unless you're 
already a local manufacturer making things in your garage and don't have to worry about the Taiwan dollar or any or shipping or anything like that, then other than that, I think, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, shipping is the big thing. It seems like the cost of shipping containers, it's crazy. It went from like, I saw some article where it said it was six, $6,500 for this guy to, for shipping, and now it's up to $65,000. Like, yep. That's a giant, giant increase. So yeah, I think we'll see price increases for the next uh, foreseeable future, I guess, until it settles I, out. I do think there's going to be some consumer skepticism about price gouging and, and that kind of thing. And I think some of that will be warranted. I th- I'm sure people are trying to make as much money for their companies as possible. That's their jobs. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the market can bear. Cause I, I think there is a, I'm, I'm going to have to eat my own words here. I'm sure, but there has to be a, a limit to what people can and will spend. You think maybe we'll see. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. $20,000 bikes. <laughs> here we come. 20,000, 20,000 yeah. hardtail on the way. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not though. More Is 20k more. the new 10k bike. Uh, no, please not. <laughs> I need to be able to afford things. <laughs> We're going to move on to questions in a second, but first a word from this week's sponsor. This week's Pink Bike Podcast is presented by Michelin Bicycle Tires. Michelin, the French brand, has made a successful return to the competition scene over the last few years with pro teams MS Mondraker and Team Chain Reaction Cycles. The brand relies on its racing experience to develop new tires and is excited to announce the launch of the new Michelin Force and Wild All Mountain 2 tires. Head to motorcycle.michelinman.com forward slash bicycle forward slash MTB for more information. Well, yeah, that brings us into some questions. And the first one that we have kind of talks about in relation to those rising prices. This is from Vadewards. V.A. Edwards, probably. Probably. I'll just call it Vadewards. That sounds good. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Yeah. He says, perhaps this will drive more innovation in local manufacturing in North America and beyond. He says, I believe Ibicycles has a U.S. carbon project under development. Gorilla Gravity is U.S. made. It'll be interesting to see if their prices change this year. And he goes on to say, I could see this pushing a resurgence for carefully engineered aluminum frames that keep costs and weight reasonable levels like what Pole was doing. I don't know about the cost thing there, but we'll keep going. This is a long question. Uh, maybe we'll even see the return of four to $5,000 aluminum models with top-tier suspension good wheels. And then he's glad he got his tall boy on the pink bike buy and sell page. What a plug. Yeah, that's a lot of points in there. I feel like his tall boy is probably for sale now, and he's just using this as a hype to like get people to buy his bike. But That's a good strategy, Vadewards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he raises some good points. I do think uh, we've heard Ibis working on some kind of carbon project, at least for their smallest size frame, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we are one. Cra- it'd be crazy not to roll that out, you know, do a, a pilot on the smallest. And if it works well and they can scale production, for sure. They're yeah, trying. exactly. And the, the thing, one thing all these companies might run into is this, the sourcing of materials. You know, even if you're U.S. made, a lot of times some of those materials come from, um, come from overseas, so you still have to pay for the shipping and all that. So that does raise your end and prices. So we'll see how that all sorts out. And and the big shipping cost is usually from assembly to location, and it's not like Ibis doesn't sell bikes in Europe. Yeah, they're exactly. still gonna have to put bikes on a container, and whether it comes from Taiwan to Europe versus North America to Europe, there's still a a pretty big shipping charge. Yeah. So if you have a local guy in your town that can use all locally sourced materials, that might be more affordable. Probably not. But but yeah, I do. I mean, I'm. Everything that Vedwards says is good. I mean, I agree. Five thousand dollar aluminum model with good suspension sounds sweet. Well, does that not exist today? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's yeah. called Consumer Direct. So yeah, all the Consumer Direct brands have good four or five thousand dollar aluminum models with good suspension and good wheels. Yeah, so I'm a fan. But but yeah, good points. Um, the next question comes from 
Marco Mac. He's also wondering about prices. He wants to know if the price will go down again after everything goes back to normal or they keep prices high just because people are willing to pay anyway. I don't know. If I knew the future of the economy, I would have a lot more money, I feel like. Bike prices are going to be like gas prices. They just fluctuate, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Are there mountain bike think... futures? Can you like options trade on mountain bike futures? <laughs> Anyone know? <laughs> I think we probably couldn't, even if there were. Oh, yeah. We might get like insider trading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna start a like thing. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I'm gonna try to use big words, but I'm not gonna pretend I know what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, Marco Mac. I think the prices go with what the market will bear. And right now, people are super excited to spend money on bicycles, and in the U.S., they're getting their stimulus checks and things. So I think that in the near future prices aren't dropping. But if demand drops, if less people are buying bikes, companies will have to adjust. So. I think that the we've talked about this a bunch is that the price to performance is actually going down. It might stay flat for a few years um, with this. Even, and then, yeah, the high end will probably continue to go up. I, I don't see a reality where we don't see, I'm sorry, a $20,000 high end bike is not going to seem that stupid in 10 years. It'll be stupid, but it, it won't be that out of place. Yeah. And we're getting more, you know, electronic, bells and whistles mm -hmm. and things and mm -hmm. actually not yet but i'm waiting for my electronic whistle but those type of things are are coming so <laughs> all right and final question comes from dc 1988 this was on the, the specialized shoe release they just came out with some new 2fo d8 shoes and he says does anyone want laces on a cycling shoe i mostly ride clips but occasionally ride flats and i much prefer boa ratchet velcro to laces trying to do undo my laces that are caked in mud whilst i can barely feel my fingers at the end of a ride is the worst well you should just be able to push on the back of your other shoe with your foot and take them off without untying them. That's my... He ties his shoes advice. up really tight. They're super tight. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can just take them off. But uh, I, I don't know. I like lace on a cycling shoe with, like, a Velcro cover. But I like the cover. Yeah. Because otherwise, I have the other specialized shoes. They're trail ones. And I was like, am I going to get my laces caught in my derailleur like i'm a, not a derailleur my chain ring like i was a little nervous about riding with them but they have but those have a off. lace cover on those have yeah, a, they, uh, they have a little elastic it's true yeah but, but yeah i think it could be better yeah i have those shimano shoes that have the full cover of all the foot yeah, yeah. and those are really easy to clean yeah and those are the speed lace thing too right yeah speed lace yeah. all of That's it's covered you just speed lace with the cover yeah they're great for winter riding what are those do those specialized not have a cover no, there's not cover. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just I'm a pretty standard. I'm taking the role of, Le of Levy today. I didn't read the <laughs> <Yeah>. article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there's just a standard lace up, and there's like an elastic piece you can stick them underneath, but it's not a cover. And Like for a full-on downhill shoe, I don't know. I, I think they could do more. I've suggested as much in the article. Like they're sweet. I have them. I wear them, and they're comfy, and they do all that stuff. But and I, I still want good. like the mid. Uh, when I was clipped in, yeah, I got the clippers version. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they clipped right in and it was good. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. But the other ones, that, yeah, their new rubber is really good too. But uh, yeah, we should do some sort of maybe a sort of style podcast because every time we put up like shoes, people either say they're amazing or they look like orthotic special needs mm -hmm. shoes. Same with helmets. It's like, yeah, I don't, it's hard to make these things look good, I feel like, but there's some horrible aspects of both sides yeah there's a wide variety in what people think is good looking also maybe what suits you but yeah there's also just some things that are good and some things that are really bad yeah there's some yeah objectively good objectively bad but there's also it seems like it's really i don't know who at some of these brands is calling for our stuff needs to look really distinctive and really different and it seems like product managers keep getting hammered with like why this doesn't look different enough 
And then yeah. you end up with some of these things where it's just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't put that on. No. Yeah. I don't want to be embarrassed when I roll out of the house and have to ride alone even more than I already do. <laughs> <laughs> or like if you look at a photo of yourself from today in five years and go like, oh God. Yeah. Oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of the questions. That brings us to our discussion. So kind of talked about it a little bit before, but basically who has the right of way when you're on the trail? So you've got a trail, we're talking about a multi-directional trail for this case. Someone's going downhill, someone's going uphill. Which one has to has to yield? You know, historically, like from it, when I started in a bike shop at age 13 or 14 and it's just always been one of those golden rules, you know. If you click on a how to mountain bike YouTube tutorial, whatever, over and over and over, everybody says from the moment you enter the sport, it's the climber has the right of way. Um, it's always, yeah, it's just, Kaz, is, is, was your sort of entry to the sport the same thing? Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, so it seems easy. That's the answer. And, uh, <laughs> and the podcast is over. And next week, I think about James, what about you? Yeah, I hadn't ever really thought about it before today when we were kind of talking about um, what we were going to talk about today, what we were going to discuss. And so I just went intuitively, oh, well, obviously the downhill rider should have priority. Like that just makes absolute common sense uh, in my mind. And then it seems that, I don't know, that's not the way it's always been. And this is something that has just passed me by. So for the past when, decade, you've just been like running children off the trail. Tally ho, yeah. Yeah, when you're riding, James, and you're coming down, you're bombing down the trail, and you see someone coming up, what do you do typically? I mean, I would say okay. So obviously, a hiker or a horse, they have priority. Fine. A rider, like I would probably slow down and Elbows they would out. probably put their foot down and be like, "Oh, thanks, I needed that break. I'm really tired." And I'd be like, "No worries," and I just roll on by, and they let me enjoy my descent, and they carry on grinding up the hill. Hmm. Kaz, why don't you set up why it is the way it is today? Yeah, so the arguments for having the mm-hmm. uphill rider yield is because you know the downhill rider they've got the the benefit of gravity on their side; they can just slow down, grab their brakes, you know, pull over a little bit, let the climber continue climbing. And the climber doesn't need to wreck their momentum because it is harder to start going uphill. Like it takes more effort to, you don't have gravity on your side. You're fighting that. So, um, you know, they're going slower. So they, they get to keep cruising on upwards. And that's just kind of, in my mind, it's just common sense. I didn't know there was a debate over this until we started arguing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also, yeah, I was like, oh, wait, is there a right way or a wrong way? And then I was like, oh, I always pull over for the person climbing. And when I'm climbing, I expect the people coming down the trail to pull over for me uh, while you're climbing while i'm climbing yeah mm-hmm. and if they cheer me if i'm going up a particularly tough section then that's added value <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah like when you don't have momentum climbing even like clipping back in on a climbing trail is pretty difficult mm-hmm. so i yeah i definitely always thought that climbers had priority well they do i mean they really do and i think we should probably make a caveat here at the start like the climber does have right away in most places and it is the default assumption just just because i don't think that that's the way it should be doesn't give you license to not or doesn't give you license to be a dick like follow your local guidelines do the right thing probably everybody should yield to everybody um ultimately but um yeah i think i do think it's worth um investigating to see, I, I like, 
My big thing is I actually think it's potentially safer to have the climber yield. Yeah, how would that be safer? Uh, you haven't well, convinced me yet to see your side. We gotta have a debate. Yeah, so far, yeah. this is I think we won really easily. <laughs> You're usually pretty uh, adamant about your positions here, Brian, but I feel like you just caved just now. Well, I'm just setting up win. a whole bunch of caveats because I also uh-huh. it's so hard to do a blanket rule for everything. Which, but we kind of need one in this instance. But what works in Squamish one directional trails or places where there are a bunch of good trails doesn't necessarily work where the only trails you have are bi-directional and the only good descent you're going to get is going to be on a on a two-way trail or that kind of thing um yeah and i don't know i guess for me it's like just because something's always been one way doesn't mean it should stay that way and in my mind climbing isn't this weird like virtuous thing that you put up on a pedestal like i work hard descending too and and Climbing I is care. definitely harder than Brian. <laughs> I don't know where you live. But no, but it's right. But just just effort isn't something to put on a pedestal. Well, you should. It's like it's, it's just because effort. the person's working more. You should let them. You should like respect them. They're working harder. Like, you're already having at, more fun than them. Yeah, yeah okay, you're descending. Have, you're like wee, and they're like <laughs> breathing really hard. And <laughs> to I mean, okay. When I have like a plate of food, I will eat the things that I like less first, and then I'll eat the things that I like. Fair. I do the same. Right? Yep. And I, I... I ate pie for breakfast today. I, I eat what I like first. So you, should, so you only shuffle is what you're saying. Uh, yeah. No, I start with a descent and then I climb to finish. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst. Yeah, that's horrible. I don't actually... That's horrible. I hate... There's that trail in Hood River that does that, where you start with this big descent and then you have to climb out. It's just like, ugh. Yeah, that's not acceptable. It's not good. No. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I just... Just because something's been this way forever doesn't mean it should stay this way like we can we can adapt and change and i think it's worth considering all right all that out of the way can i start (laughs) okay how would you implement it what would this look like in your ideal world someone's climbing up and someone's descending super fast what happens the climber hears the descender long before the descender sees or hears the climber and the climber pulls off the trail and the descender goes by and then the climber continues climbing so yeah, for me, like it is, it's a safety thing. Like if you're descending fast and you need to stop to give it right away, the speed differential from moving to not moving is so much more like, you know, breaking hard in a loose corner or like waffling to commit to something or whatever, like your chances of something going wrong are so much higher than, oh, I'm going one kilometer an hour. I'm going to quickly put my foot down and wait for a second for somebody to go past. I'm climbing at 20 kilometers an hour. Yeah, you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's a big difference in consequence as well, right? Like, yeah. even if you can't unclip in time, you're just kind of slowly flopping over. Whereas if a downhill rider can't slow down fast enough, like you're talking high-speed impact with a tree or something. So, yeah, when, it yeah, when you're climbing, there's a big difference there. When you're climbing, your head is down a lot of times. You're looking down, just kind of suffering, and you're descending. Your eyes should be up, seeing what's ahead of you. So you should be able to see the person in time to know that you're, you know, going to run into them potentially. And you shouldn't be going that fast if it's a bi-directional trail anyways. Like we didn't. But that that's such a crazy argument. There, so many places don't have the trails that we do here. You know, the there are plenty of places where if you didn't ride fast on bi-directional trails descending, you wouldn't have descents at all. Yeah, but you still shouldn't. If you know someone could be going up, you still shouldn't be going that fast. Somebody like, could be coming up on any trail. Not mm. always. Like no, there are there's hikers some trails that definitely you would never see. Constantly, there are hikers and other 
other trail users on trails, maybe even where they shouldn't be. But they feel like, like they're in the wrong. If you're like on a one directional downhill trail and you come across a hiker, they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Or like, yeah, they usually like sessioning a jump on a downhill trail, they're going to move out of your way because they are definitely in the wrong if it's a, if a one directional downhill trail. Mm-hmm. Same with yeah. a one directional climbing trail. If you're going down it, you are feeling really guilty and you probably you sh- have like a sh- broken bike <laughs> or a broken limb. <laughs> Yeah, you really, that's one of the things I think we can all agree on. Nobody should be descending climb-only trails. Come on. Oh, no, I do. When there's no one around. Sometimes <laughs> they're good ways to connect other things. <laughs> also, sometimes they're the easiest trails and you see people who are like, oh, this is a lot more challenging of a blue than I thought it was. I think I'll yeah. go down the climb trail. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I so mean, we, we should talk about directional that safer. Trail. Yeah. So we're correct on that. Cool. We can move on that to the next point. Water safer? That it's safer. To, it's safer for the climber to stop than it is for the descender to stop. I'm glad we we agree about that. There's not a lot the of descender room usually. Should be able to stop at any moment. That's yeah. on a bi-directional trail. Yeah, it's that's like not you should be happen. expecting to stop on a bi-directional trail. Like I was riding. Like there's not a lot of two-way trails in. Squamish. Exactly. You guys are. There's you guys like, are speaking from this like point of total mountain town privilege where we have all these amazing trails where yeah like if you are in the okanagan somewhere every trail is a bi-directional trail mm-hmm. but you also can see for a thousand miles <laughs> <laughs> like you can see the person on the next horizon like <laughs> and, and that's another great point is that there are a lot of places where you can't see that well and so no matter whether your eyes are up or down climbing descending like the descender will just cannot hear or see the the climber until it's too late whereas the climber hears the descender way beforehand not, with the not necessarily like i was riding in rebel soak this summer and there's this one trail network called mcpherson and mm-hmm. it was really weird riding all those trails or most of them are mm-hmm. bi-directional and so mm-hmm. when you're climbing up you are always kind of nervous that somebody's gonna just like take you off the trail and then when you're going downhill it's the same thing you're just kind of always nervous that you're gonna run into somebody in a corner so mm-hmm. i definitely was like dialing it way back on the downhills because i was nervous that i was gonna take somebody out and there's lots of corners and trees and you can't see around <laughs> them and i was like but th- these trails are terrifying and they're like the flattest trails in revelstoke <laughs> well but and that's a great point though like who had the best chance of noticing the other trail user first, the climber or the descender? Well, I think the thing is that descenders are coming so much faster than the climber that like before you can even hear them, they're like on top of you. And so like you can't really hear climbers or you can't hear descenders from as far away as you think you would be able to. Like you could barely just get out of the way if you're like climbing on one of these trails and the descender is coming down at full speed. Right, well, not, probably so, about the time you can hear them, they can see you. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's about the same. They're not going to hear yeah. you climbing, obviously, but they can see. Like like I said, you're descending. Your eyes should be up. You can see further than you're climbing. Your eyes are down a lot of times. Like, and bikes are so good. I don't they know should why be you all guys quiet, climb right? With your eyes Think so about where down. you're looking when you're climbing and where you're looking when you're descending. It's a difference. Like you're not I staring. My, you're not looking way up because of the, the angle, the slope and things. My anecdotal evidence here, <laughs> it is purely <laughs> anecdotal, but I, I definitely notice people coming down long before i see people yeah in almost all yeah, instances well, both both in in like you know i grew up in the interior of bc and down here on the coast and uh, yeah i think most places i i think it's 
yeah, I don't know about this particular place in Revelstoke. I've ridden a bunch of things in Revelstoke, and I definitely you you hear a descender first or see them. Like I don't know, it's the, you 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 do notice the descender as a climber first. I I very conveniently agree with that. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe that says more about my descending ability than anything else. But even with like today's quiet bikes, where you don't have the chains, like you still hear like the rubber on the roots and twigs snapping and uh, free hubs whirring like there's still noises on bikes even if it's not chain slap yeah but i still think you just need to put like the the onus on the descender to be more alert than the climber like you know as a climber it is nice if you do have plenty of time you don't care as much it's nice to pull over and let the descender go down like that's obviously the descender is going to appreciate that but i don't think that you need to make it be the descent the you don't need to make it the climber's fault if they don't notice the descender like the climber should have the right of way, but if they decide to to yield to the sender, that's that's fine. Like that's nice of them. And overall, no one should be a jerk. I just I think if you flip it, if you start saying descenders have the right of way, then you just start getting assholes like, I've got the right of way, watch out, Strava. Like, and that's just like yeah. a jerk move. So don't do that. What, that's what, what about the climbers who are who are yelling Strava? <laughs> then you can move over for them, I guess. You're already moving Ugh. over for them, so you're yeah, to Strava. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I don't know. I guess here's where here's where it really like to me I guess I am like I do want to eat my vegetables first, all of them, and then have my dessert. And like it is so much easier to get back into climbing flow than it is to get into descending flow. I'm not talking about tech climbing here. I'm not talking about like how is that a the crux descending thing. flow happens like, in like one second foot back like, like pedal you? engaged yeah <laughs> like what do you like you gotta like visualize you're at the top of the course like moving your exactly. hands like the world cup guys yeah <laughs> My flow i guess if trail. it's a really flat trail you're right if you like stop on a flat trail and then you lose your momentum you're on what? a flat trail dead flat trail what happens <laughs> how do you decide <laughs> universe and get the inclinometer out yeah. and like oh. <laughs> Oh, that's that's one that's so annoying where you're on a trail that's like mostly descending but you're on the climbing bit and then you come across somebody and you're like, now which one is it? <laughs> it's like an uppy-downy trail. <laughs> well, that's the, it just depends know. on the pitch that you're on in that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're climbing and they're descending, so then they can move over and then it's, it's a switched to the next level. I was surprised uh, yeah. in that poll from 2016 where we asked people like how many people were on the fence about who had priority or that, yeah, like there was more people that said climbers should have priority than descenders, but it was like, one in every four people that you're going to encounter on the trail is just going to, I don't know, like they weren't sure what to do. Like, no, it was a poll about what should, what the way things should be, not necessarily the way things are. Mm, I'm sure a lot of people know what the rule is, but don't think that that's what it should be. I will also say that in 2016, many, many people made some very poor decisions when it came (laughs) to polls. Um, Let's just, let's just say we can, we can revisit it now. Um, and, it can it can be a poll on what it should be, not necessarily what it is. We can we can mm-hmm. have that discussion. But um, there is definitely a lot of confusion when you come across people on the trail. Often, just like both parties move out of the way, and the uphill flow is ruined, and the downhill flow is ruined, and mm-hmm. yeah. you just mm-hmm. kind of talk with. I just don't see what awkwardly. the what the big deal is to for people to like again not tech climbing, but on your regular like somewhat mellow climb, and to like oh you hear somebody coming. You put your foot down, you enjoy the excuse for a five-second breather, they cruise past, and then you keep riding. 
Like you've you've lost one kilometer, whatever. Sarah Moore's twelve kilometer an hour climb. You know, you've lost twelve kilometers an hour and no mo- no real momentum versus I like. Yeah. I mean, all it, of it that goes descent. both ways. I think one thing we're not talking too much about is like a, a trail that's super hard to climb or a trail that is really really fun to descend isn't going to be the one people are climbing usually. You know, like a, a climbing trail tends to be a little mellower. You're not just going to be doing riding up some vertical face for hours at a time. So again, I think that's a really uh, Pacific Northwest centric approach here. There are plenty of places where the, they just don't have the terrain we do and the climb and the descent are, you know, you've got that sort of 6% grade up and then you're going to turn around and 6% grade down and you've enjoyed, well, yeah. you've cr- pushed hard on the 6% grade up and now you would like to enjoy that 6% grade down the rest of the way. So please get out of my way. When like 80 to 90% of your time is climbing, you just get that little slither of a ride that's descending. Exactly. You want to make the most of it. That's what you've gone out for. Like if this rule came in in the 90s, like the the sport has progressed to a more sort of descending oriented sport. And I think we should value that time. No, well, you guys I think are it's right. already harder than the descending. <laughs> yeah, you guys are just like the goofs that are like bombing down wreck paths and stuff on the weekends. Like, I've lived <laughs> lots of places. I'm not. I haven't just lived here forever. I've been plenty of places with with rolling terrain, and I think you just have to be nice. Is I think the more rolling terrain, like the faster you're going, because it's going to be a flow trail. So it's you're just going to come up on the climber so fast, and they're going to be struggling up the climb, and you're just going to be flying on this downhill if it's like a flow trail. <laughs> So right, so they heard you, so they should get out of the way. No, they're working harder <laughs> than you. Be nice to them. <laughs> but I was just that person. I was just working that hard, and I was nice to the people descending. That's because you're just overall a nice guy. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're just, it's just the person that pulls just, over for everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's that what should be the rule. Be. Just always that, pull that over. That should be the rule. I'm okay with that rule yeah. as a general All rule, right. but I still think it's good to, I still think that the climber always has right of way climbing is so, so virtuous. Like it's just climbing. It's just climbing. I don't like think it's people way... are putting it as like virtuous, but it's, it's I mean, harder. that was the first climbing is harder than descending. Started off. Yeah. And it takes longer too. You're going to be climbing for exactly. much longer than you're going to It's just be so much less so. satisfying. It's, it's so much less satisfying to pause a descent than it is to pause a climb. Like, yeah. I, I don't, you usually I think stop and have a snack halfway up a climb, but Right. It doesn't mean I want to so, have to stop when somebody comes bombing down at me and then my adrenaline spikes because they almost run me over and I'm like halfway unclipped in the ditch beside the trail. Yeah, I'm still with Sarah. I don't know. I don't think you're going to convince <laughs> me to, to like bomb down. The, I don't know. I think it's because there needs to be like an overarching rule because like you're right. Okay, sometimes if you hear the rider coming and you're tired, just pull over and let them mm-hmm. let them mm-hmm. enjoy their flow trail. But as a rule, I don't think that can be like the overarching rule for like, because then I think people will just, they, there can't be two directional trails if the downhill rider has priority. Like the climbers I mean, will just can, get run off the trail. The real answer, like has said earlier, is more trails where there's a like downhill priority or uphill priority or whatever. And then it's like clear, but that would require people to like think about it a little bit more and yeah, I think I think it'd be interesting to 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 change it over. I think it would be safer for everybody. Like if you really built it out across the entire if you yeah, if you extend this to everybody, all riders, I do think it's safer for the climber to get out of the way. 
But if you know you have yeah. priority descending, you're going to go as fast as you can. Yeah, and then you can get mad. They're already, you're already, you are already doing that. And if you aren't, then the people who you're talking about are already doing that. But if it's a two-directional trail, you should not be going 100%. I think but that's they're going like, to. I don't disagree, but there are the people who you're worried about who are like, oh, the knuckleheads are going to blah, 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 blah. Well, they're already doing that. They're already going pinned on two directional. Well, stop trails. it. Everyone stop. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't understand. Guys, send, I wanna... it. send it. You earned that to send. <laughs> you send it. Obviously, you should. No, they probably no. shuttle to the top and they're just like. Yeah, you're shelling up a lame like green trail because, <laughs> oh, I love bottom of the Like the most fun downhill trails. There's no way you would ride up them. I, I guess that's no, where I'm confused. Yeah. Like, you're talk, we're talking about mellow trail etiquette. And then and some people like mellow trails in different places. Other people in other places like mellow trails. It's not here no i don't not i don't dislike ride, mellow trails i rode mellow trails yesterday yeah do you like descending yeah. mellow trails sure yeah it's good just you don't think about anything you just like goof off and but i'm just saying that i'm descending a mellow trail i'm not trying to set like a record because i know it's just a mellow chill trail like i'm not going to be disappointed that i have to wreck my magical downhill flow on a green trail like but what about somebody who that's the limit of their abilities and they really want to enjoy that they definitely should be yielding to uphill riders because they're beginners and they're probably it's more dangerous as having them out there. <laughs> they're beginners, therefore they should enjoy the sport less. No, they should just, everyone should just be careful and be nice. <laughs> you, should, you should be careful on the downhills if you're a beginner yeah. or you're an intermediate or you're an advanced rider. Yeah, don't crash into people and don't be dicks. <laughs> I mean, I think we all agree that on the don't crash into people and don't be dicks and for now probably everybody should just yield to everybody and that's fine. But... Yeah. I still don't see why we can't switch things over. I think it's pretty chaotic as it is. Like, I think that's where, if you look at that poll, like people are already confused and the, the Joey's that are going to, that you're worried about are already ignoring those rules. So why not, why don't we just make sure that everybody's on the same page and go to the, what is, I agree, the lowest common denominator. Yes. I think having the uphill rider has the right, right away, just kind of make sure that the people going down control their speed a little bit more. They're a little more, aware of what's happening rather than just giving them free reign and thinking that everyone else will be wrong if they run into someone else. Like I said, the people that you're worried about getting free reign on those descents are already going to take free reign regardless of what the rule is. They're not the so people we're saying that are you're rewarding them for bad behavior. Yes. Yeah, so like you guys talk, so we're going <laughs> to no. make it so it's easier. <laughs> They're going to do it whether it's a reward or not. So we may as well make the, the climbers aware of what's probably going to happen anyways. I think the climber, when you're climbing a two-way trail, you are aware that there could be a rider coming down. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Everyone well, should be aware. Are good then. Just, yeah. Shouldn't it? And when you're descending, you should be aware as well that that climber has priority. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think their overall solution, there should be more, for anyone listening that's as on your local trail organization, push for more directional trails. So yes, that's, I mean, that's a great thing that they can have. Some trails, I think they even have, you can go one direction some days of the week and the other direction other days of the week. Oh, that's uh, cool. I yeah. like that. Or like some days are for hikers and some days are for rollerbladers or yeah, I think that those mountain kind of borders. Things, <laughs> yeah, mountain borders get Wednesday nights. <laughs> Never get I mountain think borders kind of, priority. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it is tricky, uh, but I I do think that uphill riders should sell it right away. And yeah. Like speaking of trail access, um not betraying you here, Brian, but is there an argument that um <laughs> like Yes, one of us. <laughs> potentially if you're trying to get a new trail in the state or you're trying to get mountain bikers included and people are allowed to use a certain trail, 
and you say, well, listen, they might go downhill quite fast, but they'll always yield. Like the rules of the trail will be they always yield. You're kind of more likely to get access to that trail, I guess. I think it's an easier way to, yeah, if you're trying to tell people how it works that aren't familiar with mountain biking, that would seem good. I, I, <laughs> I think that that's total. I think that might be a good point. I also think that regardless of anything I'm saying here, all mountain bikers should yield to other trail users. Uh, you know, the more vulnerable, the the more we should yield. It's it's not uh, as much as I dis, as much as I f- feel somewhat, actually not that strongly, but enough. I feel reasonably strongly about this being a better way to go. I agree with Kaz that the ultimate thing is more directional trails and don't be a dick. I think those are some pretty good general rules. <laughs> I know we had this in some places, um, but just like uphill priority or downhill priority, would that be something that would work for you? Mm-hmm. Well, going back to Revelstoke, the Frisbee Ridge Trail, it's like 10 kilometers each way. Mm-hmm. And there's a sign at the beginning of the trail that says uphill climbers priority. And so when you're climbing up, you you know, you could just keep going and all the descenders move out of the way. If you had the same thing, like descender trail priority, like at least, you know, which direction when you're mm-hmm. on that trail has priority. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, a helpful thing if it is a two directional trail to actually just choose one person who has priority. Ideally the climber, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I think back at how many miles of trail I've ridden and how many encounters I've had, it's been pretty rare. Like, I haven't had too many weird, awkward, like, near-death experiences mm-hmm. or collisions or anything. And it's generally most people are pretty chill and just move over and yield. And you both kind of just slow down. And sometimes you just even not even get off your bikes and just, like, ride next to each other, depending on width of the trail and terrain and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, if you're going slow enough, usually on the descent, you can keep rolling and the climber can keep climbing depending yeah. on if it's a green trail usually they're wide enough that you can kind of both just keep riding what's that trail in oregon that's so it's almost a descent but it's so frustrating because mackenzie river trail mackenzie there we go it's like yeah. the most frustrating trail in the world it is uphill even though it's supposed to be the magical downhill yeah. it's so much uphill it's the only good thing about it's it is just, there's hot springs nearby yeah it's a really beautiful place but yeah it's a little bit it's kind of like partially wet and you're just like it's very a lot of work Okay, well, so I think I think I've gotten beat up enough for this. Um, you know, I guess we're going to just keep preaching, disrupting the payoff, having everybody eat their, uh, you know, disrupt their steak with requiring them to eat some salad here and there. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I encourage you, Brian, to find steeper trails and stop bombing down the blue and green trails and you'll be just fine. That's Mike my Hasmer. encouragement. Mike Hasmer, this <laughs> you has don't ride nothing... so many hard tails. Yeah. <laughs> this has, oh my God, this has nothing to do with me or any, this isn't even a situation that comes up ever here. It's trying to think about places elsewhere. Like here, it just, it literally isn't a thing. The things you descend are not the things you climb, but I'm trying to yeah. think about, yeah, bigger picture. Uh-huh. I got it. We should I mean, you're wrong, trip. but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll road trip to the place where there's like the most encounters <laughs> yeah. and see how it goes. We can... <laughs> road trip to the worst mountain bike trails in North America. Yeah, let us we know should... in the comments if you have the worst mountain bike trails, and we'll look into 
doing a destination showcase of the worst mountain bike trails. <laughs> That's what I feel like there should be a Trail Forks maps for like little fatality X's for like uh -huh. riders of like actually running to each other. They have those for like high traffic areas. You know? Yeah, like the like the Waze app, but for uh, yeah. mountain biking where you just flag like <laughs> crashed. Dangerous <laughs> corner. You might. <laughs> Wherever the worst trails in, in North America are, that's where Levy's, we're going to send Levy to go do a destination showcase because of all the pinkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's his punishment. Yeah. Oh, I can think of some good places. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let us know. And also let us know in the comments what you think of this topic. Uphill riders right away, downhill riders, everybody be nice or something else. We'll move on to comment gold. Uh, and this one is from KCY4130. And it's in regards to the Trek high pivot prototype picture. He says it looks like a GT. He's not wrong. Uh, yeah, and the next one is in regards to that Rocky Mountain Instinct. Um, it bike comes with a fit for fox fork and simba and higgins says how the hell does a 9400 hundred dollar bike not come with a grip to rocky mountains instinct is clearly wrong on this one har, har. Uh, little little pun there the people gave him lots of props so <laughs> uh, valid question too but yeah all right well that's a wrap for episode 53 of the pink bike podcast as always if you have any questions things you want us to talk about in the future let us know in the comments below and we'll talk again next week <laughs> <laughs>